We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vince intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Vince. Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a mere corner, three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter. Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 3-1-5. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up-and-under move from Benny Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. What's going on? Johnny Gadamowitz, Ian Unsworth with you as always on another edition of Red is the New Orange. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd really appreciate it if you gave us a follow over on Twitter at F68 underscore Qs. And if you want to keep tabs with us individually, I'm at Johnny G Wits, J-O-H-N-N-Y-G-W-I-T-Z. Ian is at at I-U-N-Z, I-U-N-Z-Y underscore. Don't forget that underscore at the end. Very important. Hope you enjoyed your weekend, Ian. A little bit of a quieter weekend as far as Syracuse basketball is concerned. No game to break down per se, so maybe a little bit of a shorter pod for you this morning, but still a big matchup looming coming up this week against Boston College, a game where Syracuse tries to get back in the win column after a little bit of a rough performance against Duke before the Orange hit the road to take on the Tar Heels later next week. But Ian, I think we'd agree in that, you know, we spoke about it a little bit last time. This is a game that Syracuse could really use just to, you know, get things back on the right track a little bit and and get another win under their belt here in the month of January. And Syracuse hasn't lost a BC at home since I think Obama was in office. So this isn't this isn't exactly the type of game that Syracuse will be looking to lose or that anyone in the 315 will appreciate if SU loses. Let's let's not act like BC is is a bunch of chumps because Earl Grant has done a nice job of kind of getting things together in a program that used to be a total dumpster fire and they are the I would say a a beneficiary of the college basketball getting old right Quentin Post best player is a grad student 
and the rest of their team has really stuck around. You don't, that's not usual in this day and age, but Jaden Zachary and Devin McLaughlin and those, like those two guys will be integral parts of this team uh, when the Orange face them on Wednesday, 9 p.m. tip, by the way, eh, not, not great. Not, back not to back, great. Back-to-back 9 p.m. games for Syracuse fans to have to deal with. So you're yeah. – uh... All right. Back, well, we can complain about that another day. Back to BC. Um, every game that they've played has been close, right? They're 10-4. and four. Losses to Colorado State, which is a top 25 team. Very good team um, out there. They are 25th in Ken Palm, actually. Three-point loss to Loyola Chicago. Again, another mid-major that does not play around. And then North Carolina State in overtime and Wake Forest, both by six points. So, again, just like Syracuse, beating the teams they're supposed to beat and then dropping the games that are kind of toss-ups. They haven't played a world beater. They haven't played Tennessee. haven't played Duke. This is not a BC team that you'd consider battle-tested necessarily, but they're old. They, They don't have any freshmen running in their rotation. I would say their newest player, quote unquote, is a Charleston transfer in Claude L. Harris. And that's where Earl Grant used to coach. So he's comfortable with Harris um, as one of their guards running the point. And this is a top 50 offense efficiency wise in the country. And Harris draws a lot of fouls. He doesn't turn the ball over that much. And he has been very efficient from the field. So he's the orchestrator of most of their offense. And all things considered, you have to hand it to Earl Grant because a BC program that was a dumpster fire, um, an afterthought, is now punching with the rest of the ACC. Not winning all the time, right? But they just beat Georgia Tech, right? They beat Duke at home at Conti Forum last year, I think. It was either last year or two years ago. Can't remember off the top of my head. But either way, like he has turned this program around into something respectable. Yeah, you can chalk it up as an automatic win in the same way that you used to be able to going up against the Eagles. You mentioned that top 50 offense per Ken Palm, number 44 in adjusted offensive efficiency to be exact. So not to be taken lightly, overall 82 on Ken Palm as things stand on this Monday morning. And I think Syracuse is like 70 or 82. It's not like, yeah, let's see. Let's type in Cuse real quick and see where that, yeah, they're at 80. Syracuse is 80. 80 versus 82 in a, two, in a matchup of two very tight teams, at least as far as the Ken Palm metrics are concerned. And we know there's all sorts of metrics and rankings out there. Uh, but as far as Ken Palm sees it, two pretty similar teams. You mentioned some of the season highlights as far as Boston College is concerned, some of their key wins, key losses. They come in 10 and four. So they've been getting theirs, and as you mentioned, sort of taking care of business when expected. Wins over St. John's on the road in late December. Most recently took down a Georgia Tech team on the road that, let's not forget, Ian, you know, you you hate to play the third degree of separation game too much. Georgia Tech did beat Duke earlier in the year, and the Eagles just handled Georgia Tech on the road for what that is worth. The thing I'm interested to see, you mentioned sort of, you know, the roster makeup. And, you know, what this Boston College team really brings to the table specific to 2023-2024. We've covered our fair share of, of Orange and Eagles games over the course of the past couple of years. My, my it, first SU road game was 
BC and we were calling it from like the hockey box. Two years ago, above, yeah, they had us the arena. far away from the court. I think we called the entirety of that game through our binoculars. I'll never, I'll never forget because we couldn't get on the air until about 20 minutes before tip. Oh, we yeah. were scrambling all around trying we to find someone to help button. us out. We were pressing oh, the yeah. panic button. Yes, we got on the air. The call went fine. Um, so that obviously is all good. But the reason I bring that up is because it feels like every time it was Syracuse and Boston College for the course of the past couple of the years, it was the Langford discussion, right? Makai Ashton Langford, DeMar Langford Jr. How are you going to find ways to neutralize those two? And I applaud Coach Earl Grant in that neither of those guys are still there anymore, and yet you haven't seen the offensive efficiency drop off a cliff. If anything, the opposite. You've seen it improve. And obviously that starts with the emergence of Quentin Post really as the guy, and he continues to be the guy. But Ian, I think if I told you before this year started, hey, both the Langfords out of the picture and the Eagles offense is maybe even a little bit better than what it was without them, I think you might look at me like I was a little crazy, no? Oh, I'd, I'd be right with you. Post is is good. But big men don't necessarily win ball games night in, night out. He's gotten support from guys we didn't think would be playing at a high level. I mean, Devin McLaughlin last year was struggling, you know, struggling to really see consistent time on the court. Like he only started 10 games in 2023. And now that he's kind of their four and can do a little bit of everything, the guy put up 30 points in 32 minutes against Georgia Tech he was 12 of 15 from the field I mean these aren't like that's a pretty big jump Harris who I mentioned earlier was four just only took four three-pointers but he made all four of them he had 26 against Georgia Tech so these dudes that are pretty much no-namers are are really chiming in when it matters and I think that gives Post who's a 47% three-point shooter on 45 attempts. But still, when you have other guys that step up and you've got a grinder like Prince Oligbe who can get down on the boards and let posts step out and shoot the three, which I think is probably one of the most worrying worrying dynamics in this game. Right. Uh, it, it really it opens up a lot of space for him. And the threat of post stepping out or the threat of him posting up, no pun intended, gives your guards a lot more space to operate. So I think when dissecting the matchup here and talking about how Syracuse stops BC, Quentin Post shooting the three or getting on the block is, is issue number one. And did Filipowski shoot the three that much? No. He didn't really need to because they had Justin Taylor on him. Uh, Quentin Post is not slight of frame. He's 240 pounds. Filipowski's probably 210, 215. You can't put put Justin Taylor on him is what I'm saying here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sorry, Johnny, I caught your mid-drink. No, you're good. Time. You're good. Um, the Eagles, yeah, as far as what they bring to the table from a starting lineup standpoint, it's pretty consistent. You mentioned, obviously, Post and Zachary. The Charleston transfer in Harris has been there pretty consistently as well, along with McLaughlin and Oligbe. So you know what you're getting. Shouldn't really be any crazy surprises. Um, you know, you mentioned how Syracuse, you know, kind of attacks post, and I think this will be, you know, another good test for Malik Brown defensively, right, dealing with a seven-footer. How do you make up in your physicality for that lack of, you know, height, per se, and dealing with a guy that's got a couple inches on you. But Malik has proven time and time again, that's not something he's going to shy away from. So I'm expecting another stout defensive performance from him. On the flip side, though, when the ball is on the other end of the court, I think this is a game where the Syracuse offense can really shine. Um, I, I don't know if BC has that lockdown guy, a la Tyrese Proctor, that is capable of taking Judah Mintz out of the basketball game. I think, you know, Judah didn't have his best performance against Duke by any stretch. I'm sure he's a little bit angry. I'm sure he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I could see this being one of those Judah Mintz, you know, upwards of 20 points, getting to the line often, and just kind of having whatever he wants every time the Orange brings the ball up the court. BC defensively is not great. Um, they are a team that for as much as we sing their praises offensively, you know, the top 50 Ken Palm, you know, posts emergence and, and a good supporting cast around them. They do leave a little bit to be desired on the defensive end of the court. I mean, even in their win over Georgia Tech, they still allowed the Yellow Jackets to drop an 87 piece on them. Right. So this is not a squad that is putting the clamps on. I also think, too, Ian, we spent some time on our previous episode talking about how Syracuse has had a couple duds in a row now from guys like Chris Bell and Justin Taylor. And again, we'll preface this with saying, I'll use your word, BC is not the chumps that they once were anymore. But this could be a get-right game offensively, not just for Syracuse collectively, but I think for some individual guys too, like Bell, like Taylor. There are some matchups that the Orange can really try to exploit here. Against Georgia Tech, um, BC let five guys score in double figures, and some of those were off the bench too. Yeah, they're not necessarily that big in the backcourt, right? Claudel Harris is 6'3", Zachary 6'2", um, and neither of those guys are that – like Harris especially is is pretty small, like not super filled out. And I don't think their forwards, either Oligbe or McLaughlin, are that quick like meant to be, you know, handing a lot of perimeter defense. If Syracuse gets some switches, it'll work out well. Here's the thing about BC's defense, though. They do well to guard the two 
because you have Quentin Post, and he's seven foot, and he's a really good shot blocker. They don't they don't handle the three pointer well. And honestly, how about this chat, Johnny? There are like three hundred sixty something college basketball teams in the country. BC's opponents shoot seventy seven percent from the free throw line. Again, like this this has nothing to do with like it's completely random, but. BC's opponents just haven't missed free throws. So be it. If Syracuse can get to the line, we know that the Orange make their free throws most of the time, but it means that the Orange, Syracuse can capitalize and draw a lot of fouls. But not great at shooting the three. Georgia Tech, as we know from last year, uh, personal experience, they can get hot and shoot the three. They made 10 of 23 three-pointers against BC. I don't think Syracuse has made 10 in a game this season, if I if I remember correctly. So if Chris Bell or Justin Taylor can hit a couple early on, or if Judah finds whatever he had during that Cornell game, maybe this 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 thing opens up and SU puts up 90. But I think you have to get a couple three-pointers down early and then start attacking the basket. Yeah, when we were talking Duke and sort of giving our Duke preview, you know, I, I had mentioned and and we had really both mentioned the key to a hot start, right? Keep it close, right? Don't let this be a, you know, 20 to 6 Duke lead, you know, six minutes into the first half. I, I, I'm going to go with the similar key here, but for a very different reason, right? Like you mentioned, make a couple early. Yeah, I think that hot start is important. You know, return back home, flex your muscles hit a couple early, get the crowd into it, right? You'll probably have some students that start that are starting to file back there, you know, as classes get ready to pick back up next week. Set the tone, right? You know, we, we spoke last time, Ian, about how th this is a game that you can go out there, you would think, and at the very least, you can, you know, end up with a 10-plus point win, right? Don't leave that in doubt, right? Go into the halftime break feeling good. Right. The longer you let BC hang in this game, the better a chance BC is going to indeed make it a game down the stretch. Right. So if you're Syracuse, I think that aggressiveness right from the jump, which I will say is something I've been impressed with this year. Right. Like we ha it feels like we haven't necessarily seen nearly as many slow starts took a little while to get the lid off the basket as we've seen in years past. Like this didn't feels look like a team that is do. ready right from the jump. They, they did not look scared. They, they looked yeah. prepared, even though it kind of fell apart eventually. In the first half, Syracuse didn't get rattled. Yeah, and I think that's going to be very important here too. Um, as we mentioned, you know, the Orange now trying to get back in the win column. You look at some of the recent games, I mean, Duke really – their only recent loss. The last time the Orange lost prior to Duke was the Virginia game back on December 2nd. So this is a Syracuse team for what it's worth. It is feeling pretty good. Winners of five of the last six. You take the Duke game for what it is. And now you hope to kind of flip the script against the Eagles. Ian, before we move along here, uh, any closing thoughts as far as Earl Grant's crew is concerned? Stop post. He was two of seven and two of five in two games against SU from three last year. Again, that's against the zone. So a bit different of a look. But at the same time, if he misses a couple early threes, he'll go right in and duck in, start doubling him, make other people score. 
and hopefully the crowd shows out and makes it tough. I do wonder how all these guys who played the Qs last year and dealt with that zone, if they're relieved or more worried that that it is a little bit of a more traditional look for the Orange this year defensively. I'm sure everybody's got their different sort of take on it. We'll see how a player like Post adapts to it coming up Wednesday night, 9 p.m. We'll step aside for a short minute and get a word from our friends at BetMGM when we come back, though, an update on recruiting world in the 315. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Moving right along here on Red is the New Orange, as always, alongside Ian Unsworth. My name is Johnny Gatamowitz. Appreciate you hanging out with us on the Field of 68 Media Network, wherever you get your podcasts. Ian, the recruiting train continues to be a talking point in Syracuse, particularly on the gridiron, but recently on the hardwood as well, because it was recently reported that a top 25 recruit by the name of Tyler Jackson will be making his official visit to Syracuse towards the tail end of January 6-2. He's a guard, a really enticing prospect, and someone who, you know, is towards the top of that AAU circuit, has a lot of these rating sites, really salivating over his game in what could be a a really potentially very big grab for Red Autry. Yeah, he's coming for the North Carolina State game on January 27th. That's a 7 p.m. tip. So I'm sure he'll have plenty of time beforehand to explore the campus, you know, see what the what the crowd, what the turnout looks like. Adam Weitzman, if if you hadn't heard or if you completely forgot about it over the past year, is no longer involved in Syracuse recruiting. The NIL scene looks really different now. Um, a lot of the the Orange United collective and the you know the smaller grassroots efforts are the main players when it comes to NIL. So I think that having a great turnout and hopefully NC State keeps winning and you know, this matchup builds up a little bit, I think that'll really help uh, the experience. And of course, the dome speaks for itself. Jackson is a pretty interesting story because he's playing with overtime elite right now after a couple of years at St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Now he's from Baltimore and I'm sure the Mellow connection, he played for team Mellow and averaged 30 points per game in a Nike EYBL, the AAU league. Um, that That's what really put him on the map. He won the Under Armour circuit with team Thrill as well. That's the Under Armour Maryland team. 
so he's done really well on, on those prep circuits. And we should note, Elijah Moore right now is also playing in the overtime elite league. Um, and of course, that's before Moore goes back to high school. Overtime elites, this really weird, it's changed a lot. It used to be at its origination. It was something that was trying to compete with colleges. Like it was, it wanted to be like the G League Ignite program. Right. Now it's kind of turned into an elite high school league before sending players off to college. Um, if, if, you, if you're a big NBA fan, you've watched the Pistons. Osar Thompson, who's teammates with Buddy Beheim now, is probably the like those the Thompson twins, the main guys to come out of OTE. Uh, but Jackson himself is averaging about nine points a game for the team called the uh, City Reapers. I don't know what that means. Elijah Moore plays for Team Jelly Fam. Uh, I don't. I mean that the Jelly is a, is a layup, but I don't understand why. I don't. I don't get these names either. Or maybe we're just not the hip young kids anymore, Johnny. Sounds we're weird old. to say. But we're getting old. maybe maybe we're getting washed up. Either way. I don't know how much time these teams are spending together. Right. So I don't know if Moore is having conversations with Jackson or if there's any sort of influence there, but right. it's at least worth noting that they're, they're in the same place right now, same compound before Moore goes back to high school. Jackson himself, AAU teammates with Mello 